Want you to get up this morning Skip around like a lamb Well, he God God don't never change Oh, always will be God This is Cynical Sheep And this week, uh, as always, we're here with Tony And also, we're here with Andy Durbin uh, he's a family and associate pastor of Lifewater Church. Andy, how's it going? It's good. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's an honor to be here, and uh, hopefully we uh, can have a little fun tonight. Yeah. Hey, friend, how you doing? I'm good. So good to see and hear from you, Tony, and nice to meet you, Aaron. It's good to meet you, to too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're just gonna jump right in, man. If you're, if you're good with that, uh, tell us, tell us, Andy, a little bit about yourself. I mean, where you went to school, and you know, uh, uh, how, how we we get to this point where we contact you about an interview tonight. Yeah. So I was, you know, born of a of a northerner and a southerner. My mom is from South Louisiana, and my dad is from the Chicago area, and um, was born outside of Chicago. Ended up in Leesville, Louisiana back in 1980 and, um, you know, grew up there and spent most of my, you know, childhood there and then went to tech, Louisiana Tech in Ruston in about 1993 is when I graduated high school and grew up in the Catholic church. So that was kind of my experience growing up was the altar boy, confirmation, all that kind of stuff. And like a lot of people, man, when I left for college, I left the church, you know, just, yeah. I didn't feel like it had much for me anymore. And, um, you know, went to tech really just to chase girls and play basketball and sports with numerals and, uh, you know, do the things that a lot of college kids like to do. And I didn't do much class. It took me a few years to get through. <laughs> and, uh, but it was during my first senior year that, uh, I was, uh, my best friend died in a swimming accident and that's when life got real again. Hmm. Um, you know, it was kind of a freak accident and I wasn't even there. I didn't get to go to the funeral, which I think I'm kind of glad. I didn't want to see him that way. It's the last time seeing him. And, uh, and that's when the big questions begin to kind of ponder in the head of what am I doing here? What are we all doing here? What's going on? And so, and that's kind of the foundation of kind of how I began to find my way back to the church and to God. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. I heard a lot about um, this Sunday. Andy's one of my pastors for everybody who's listening. Uh, got to hear a, a little bit more about his background and some of the uh, mission work and stuff he's been on uh, this past Sunday, yesterday, I guess. Yeah. So, um, uh, so you said you to, were, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You said no, you were, there. that's what I was about to throw to you. You were in, uh, raised up in Louisiana in, uh, Catholic Church? Yes, sir. Do you, do you, uh, are you French speaking? My mom's side of the family is. They oh. were Corvilles and Doucettes. And man, we would do family gatherings. And when my mom's side of the family, especially my grandma's generation, the second they started talking, it would move to French or Cajun. And <laughs> the rest of us were just along for the ride at that point. Um, they, 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 they've had a family business, business down in Eunice. Johnson's Groceries that's been famous for boudin and sausage for forever. And now the daughter, so my cousin, um, runs Johnson's Buccaneer in Lafayette. And so that's been okay. a heart of my mom's side of the family is Cajun food and Cajun speaking and a bunch of crazy Cajuns down there. 
<laughs> get that uh, shout out too. Get that uh, plug in. That's, that's right. right. <laughs> While we're on shout outs, we'll go ahead and say bonsoir to uh, Belgium. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're big over there. We're big over there. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, oh, and by the way, Andy, uh, you, it sounds to me like uh, your background there. You and Aaron almost had something in common. Uh, Aaron's pretty much a professional student. And so, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, still working on my master's degree. I've only been doing it 20 years. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So uh, were you, uh, Andy, were you raised in the church? I was, you know, like I said, I grew up in it and, and but I didn't get it. I, di I really didn't get it. You know, I was an altar boy. I went through confirmation and I think I understood as much as I could. But man, when Chad died and, and, and I really began to ask those big questions, um, I was invited by a girlfriend to a college ministry. And, and it was there that I really began to hear the gospel for the first time and began to understand and to read the Bible for myself and not just expect my priest or pastor to to have that knowledge for me. And man, the more I kind of dove in, the more I wanted to know. And it became real. And about a year and a half, maybe a year after I began going there, I was invited on a three day retreat. It's called a chrysalis. And it's very similar to the similar to the Emmaus or Chrysia weekends for adults. And it was there that God began to speak through a, a dear friend of mine, Will Shetfield. He's from the Minden area and uh he did the prodigal talk and man, I just was like, I'm all in Jesus. I'm yours. And it was the first time I tell people that I ever experienced God's grace in my life as a 19 year old kid, you know, and so, or maybe a 20 year old. And so that's when things really begin to shift and make sense. And, and, and it was close to that time that I began to receive my call in the ministry. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the ministry, uh, What's your favorite aspect about it, Andy? Man, you know, there's a couple of things that come to mind. I think for me, when, when my eyes were opened to the idea of covenant, I was a, um, it was my first year in seminary. And I've been in church, you know, a while at this point and pastored a small church in Indiana for a few years and then went to seminary as someone who I felt like had a little experience and had seen some real life stuff, some really hard things at that small church I pastored. But man, when, when, Dr. Sandy Richter, who she was my Old Testament professor, began to teach us about what covenant is, how the Bible, and it's, it's God's language. It's how he chose to engage his people. And when you look at the history of, of, of humanity, covenant, you know, contract has been at the heart of how we do, you know, do life together. And when I began to realize that really all of the Bible is a covenant between God and his people and you know, books like Deuteronomy is a literal covenant between God and Israel. And um, it, it, it changed my whole understanding of who God was, how he chose to speak to his people. And it made things like, here's one example that it made things like come to life for me was love, hate relationship, you know, whether it's Cain and Abel and, and some of those kind of stories, you, you get this love, hate relation, you know, language. And if you don't understand covenant, that kind of stuff can be very confusing. Like, why would God hate one? Why doesn't he like that one? But it's covenant language. He's chosen to covenant with one and not the other. And, and so it doesn't mean that God doesn't love him, doesn't care for him. It just means he's in covenant with one and what he's going to establish through that line 
you know, is, is going to be different and unique. And so for me, that was one of the things that really just began to open my eyes to who God was and what he is trying to do in the life of his people. Got you. And, and how, just how much, how much of a departure was that? You, you mentioned the Catholic church. And um, so that obviously drove it home and made God real to you. Um, what, 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 what's the before and after, if you could like, sum that up a little you know, bit yeah the before i knew a lot about church and tradition and what a service looked like i mean right. i could mimic the priest you know every every word every syllable of of the eucharist and you know the 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 prayers i mean i could mimic a religious service but i had no relationship with jesus and what it meant to be saved what it meant to be forgiven what it meant you know, to be washed clean and to be justified, you know, through his death. I, I mean, I just, I didn't get it. And so for yeah. me, that was probably, you know, and so imagine this, I'm in seminary with kids who had grown up, you know, in more Bible believing churches and, you know, Baptist churches, strong scripture, had gone to undergrad for biblical studies. And here's this Catholic kid who's only been really reading the Bible for a couple of years going in seminary. I mean, I felt like I was light years behind most of the people at that stage and so for me it was like drinking through a water faucet man just trying yeah. to absorb it all and take <laughs> it all in sure sure i mean right that's so uh, that, that's how god works right that's just an awesome testimony to you know uh god using all of us right and no Absolutely. matter where we are and you know no that's that that's that's cool and um i encourage those of you um you know, who are in, in our area, in the Bossier City area around here to uh, come here in Indy sometime, come here and preach, come learn about, about his story. I, I know it a little more intimately that we got time to get into tonight. And uh, it's a pretty redemptive story, I would I would say, Hunt and Andy, if you would. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Absolutely. So being in the ministry, what do you wish more congregants Oh, man, that, that, that's a great question. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of things, but I think the one thing that I think I wish most people understood when it comes to the church and, and, and what it means to be a part of the church family is the role that they actually play. You know, I think especially in this large church culture that, you know, that we kind of came out of the secret church where, you know, it was all about getting people in the doors and the church, you know, growing and expanding, you know, I think people forget that the majority of churches are still churches under a hundred people, you know, the vast majority. And, yeah. and to think that a church is built around one pastor or four or five staff members. And to think that, you know, that's what the church is about. I, I think, it, I think it can do a huge detriment to the church to not realize that the people are the church, you yeah. know, that, that we're to be shepherds as pastors and, and we're, we're to guide people and to counsel people and, and to make disciples of people. But man, it's it's the church that really drives when there is a movement of God, you know, among the church. It's not pastors. I mean, it's just not. And I, and I think if people understood that their presence on Sundays and that, you know, that to walk in, you know, this is one of the things I used to tell my youth when I was a youth minister is, you know, to, to enter with a purpose, leave with a mission. You know, so few people walk into church on Sunday mornings with a purpose. I mean, they're there to be fed. You know, you hear that all the time. I'm there to get my Jesus on. Um, but what if they walked in believing that they had something instrumental to offer 
to maybe a guest or a hurting family member, you know, and, and, and to realize that God wants to use them just as much as he does any pastor or staff member. And I think for me, that's what I would want people to know, you know, more than anything else. Yeah. What, what, what do you think the, the disconnect there? Do you, do you, what, why don't, why do you think people, or do they not know? Oh, I, I think part of it, I think part of it was, you know, let's take the Catholic church. A lot of it, that wasn't their job. You know, you were told that's the priest's job, yeah. you know, to, to teach you. And it was your job to come and, and, and to participate in, you know, I say the Eucharist in communion. And that, and that was the heart of, of, the, of the Catholic gatherings. Um, I think, like I said, the mega church movement where churches began to hire just ridiculous staffs that did everything. So people really could come in and get a latte. Their kids could go jump on the jungle gym. Um, there were going to be a staff member waiting to do everything for you. Um, and so you weren't needed. And, and, and I think that, I think, has been a huge detriment, actually more than a blessing to a lot of people in the church over the last, you know, say, 20 to 30 years. And I don't believe every mega church makes that mistake. I think there are some that have done it very well over the years, but I think the vast majority of them, you know, that has been the case. Yeah. What were you saying, Aaron? No, I was saying what you're saying. It went from a community-driven yes. kind of thing to more of a consumer-driven version of church or what church should look like to a consumer Absolutely. Get them in the door, like you were saying earlier about the seeker-sensitive movement and everything else. Just get them in the door. But the problem they're having, probably twice as many people were going out the back door as they That's were coming in. So they had to kind of keep that going to keep the to keep the doors open. That's right. And you, and you go a mile wide and an inch deep, you know. And 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 I want to congratulate you know churches like Willow Creek over the years that have written letters and acknowledged that what they did all those years, even though at the beginning it had a great purpose behind it. But they realized in the long run, they failed to make disciples that really made a difference, you know, and and, um, and and I think that's what it's all about. You know, that's one of the things I've loved about LifeWater, you know, even as a pastor who's been in ministry almost 20 years now to come to LifeWater and be challenged on what it means to be a disciple. And, you know, one of the things Tony, Tony can tell you this, but, you know, our definition of church is God's family of missionary servants sent as disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. And I think all of my life, I've been told what it means to become a disciple. And I've been told that we are to go make disciples. But I don't know if I've ever really truly seen that model very well. Um, my Wesley Foundation time there, that's where I saw it probably the best before I became, you know, before I came to LifeWater. And, and I think for me, that has been, you know, a huge changing point in my understanding of how God wants to bless and use the church to bring hope to this broken world. Yeah, uh, it's funny you mentioned that. I've mentioned it here on the show before that uh, that that progression that you talked about. I don't know if it was a progression. For me, it was a progression that uh, you know, Melly and I met. We uh, we attended a large church, um, a large church in Arkansas, and it was very much that way. And that was the goal was to get you know reach the next person, the next person, and the, and the uh, and really which you know served a purpose. However, um, you know, it did exactly what, what, what you were saying, Andy, and it wasn't until, you know, there's some personal responsibility with that too, right? Because uh, 
for for me that that's when it got serious for Melanie and I when we when we determined we wanted more and we weren't going to get that you know on Sunday morning or like I told you the night you know, on Monday night you know whenever <laughs> we were attending church uh, and so uh, you know so we actually our segue was back to a smaller church after we went there and kind of dug in and grew more intimate uh, like I said I don't think that that church had necessarily. I mean, it definitely put us on the right path. It's what we needed. It's what God, you know, planted us to that seed and it had a purpose. Um, uh, but yeah, I think that is definitely a pitfall with, with the model anyways. Absolutely. Uh, and I love, Andy, that you uh, included this other, this other talking point for us tonight. Um, it was, I don't know, four, five, six episodes back before we, started this um, interview sessions like this that I mentioned and I, I'm not even sure Andy if you were around when it was pretty common at life order and we were doing it but the uh, the the rhythms and we talk we're talking about rhythms and I always go back to it in missional community we talk about the in and out and the up mm -hmm. and, I, and I told uh, uh, telling Aaron one night you know maybe maybe sometime you know we could dive into that a little more and it's Really cool. I was really excited about this part because I believe that this next thing you model for me better than, than just about anybody I know. It'd probably be better than anybody I know. And as far as the out portion and uh, you know living living it out, living out your your faith, I think. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop talking right there though and let you in your own words uh, take 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 this next point. Yeah, you know, for me, you know, as a youth minister, you, you're meeting kids at a, at a really challenging time of life, a really critical point of life. And I'll never forget reading years ago, Donald Miller, you know, who Donald, you know, there'd probably be a lot of things, you know, theologically, Donald and I wouldn't agree 100% on, but I'll never forget him telling the story of a father who was losing his daughter, losing his daughter to kind of the emo culture and, and you know, and, and just going and chasing the things of this world, the things that were popular at that time. And, and, and I'll never forget the dad was, you know, reaching out to people and someone put him in touch with Donald and he was like, I don't know what to do. And he said, you got to offer her a better story that right now the world is offering her a better story than what you and, and the church is. And, and I remember hearing that going, we have the best story in the world. So that means there's a disconnect between how we're telling it, how we're living it ourselves to where the world around us doesn't even recognize that it's a better story. And so for me, you know, helping students and then for my own life, you know, you know, Tony's kind of alluded to, I, I've, I've had some really dark seasons, my wife and I have, and, and only through the redemptive love of God and his grace and mercy through, you know, through himself. And then through my wife, we've been able to, to, to make it to where we are today. But when we begin to see our story in light of God's story, man, it changes everything. And, and when you begin to realize that his story really is better than what this world has to offer, um, you know, it, like you said, Tony, it, it, it changes things. It changes people. It, it, it offers people something that the world just cannot offer them. You know, no matter how enticing it is, no matter how shiny it is, you know, no matter how much you know, zeros are on the end of something at the end of the day, you know, in, until we find full redemption and, and have been forgiven 
and experience grace on, on the level that only God offers. I just don't know if you can fully understand, you know, how much he actually loves us. And, um, and so for me, that's like one of my favorite things to do is, is, yeah. is to talk about God's story and how our stories begin to align with his. And, and, you know, especially in today's culture, man, it, we want to make each individual story its own story. You know, that's the relativism of our culture. You know, that's, and, and not to get liberal or conservative, not even that. It's just, it's just the relativism that, 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 you know, we each have our own thing and it's just not true. You know, it's not true um, that, that, that there is something better that's being offered to us. And, um, and so for me that, that, yeah, that, that's, that's a game changer for me and what that looks like and what God has designed and created us for. for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think too, um, I, I want to dig a little, uh, a little bit deeper into that just for a second and, um, kind of, but also, um, because I think that Andy, I think you do such a wonderful job of this, but how do we, um, I, I, I love, I know you've got some specific examples, but how, how do we, how do we tell our stories? How, how do, how do we make this part of our everyday life you to me are again one of the the top examples i know personally of, of somebody that does that and is able to do that and uh so what so what seems so effortlessly yeah. effortlessly from the outside so uh yeah uh, just do you mind do you, you want no, to not at all. you know so, so i think part of it's like anything else you know if you were on a sports team you would practice if you were in a band you would practice you know, and so to think that we're going to get good at something that we don't practice, you know, we're kind of kidding ourselves. So I'll give you an example. You know, one of the things that we say at our church a lot is everyday secular or, you know, learning to live life in the everyday stuff of life. And so, you know, for me, you know, I begin to look at the everyday normal encounters as sacred encounters. And so I'll just give you one example, you know, going to my local Walmart, there's a Walmart marketplace five minutes from my house. And so one of the things I try to do is go to the same line to the same worker every time. And I ask her name and I begin to hear her story and I begin to share my story. And, and what happens is over time, it's amazing. You know, when, when you find yourself in that line time and time again, all of a sudden you find them on a day when their eyes aren't quite as shiny and, you know, they're, they're, they got a little scowl on their face and you can begin to ask those kind of questions of, man, what is going on? And before you know it, the stranger who works at a line in a grocery store is beginning to tell you how their life is falling apart or how their mom has cancer. And all of a sudden you get to begin to share your story with them and, and, and how God has moved and how I've been there. And, you know, but, it, but if you don't see those moments as sacred moments, it's just another opportunity, you know, or it's just another, you know, moment where you just kind of go through, put your head down and put your headphones on, or, or, you know, you don't see that person as, as a child of God. And, you know, that's just one example, you know, whether it's my hair person, you know, I make sure I go to the same person every time. Or when we go to the restaurants, we go to the same four restaurants yeah. on purpose. So that way we can get to know these servers and love them. And, and when you do that, man, you'll be amazed at how people want to tell their story. You know, yeah. and, and, and I just think, you know, those are those are some of the really basic ones for me that I've really initiated. And, and you know, another one that goes with that and this is especially for the restaurant ones, you know, and especially for the church, quit being cheap and bless people. And, and when, 
bless people, you'll be amazed at how they actually want to hear about what's going on in your life. Well, but man, when we're cheap and they know we're the church and they know we're representing the church, we want to kill, you know, um, a witness faster than anything else. And so, you know, I, I try to tip and, and treat people extravagantly because I want them to know that's what the grace of God is like, you know? And so those are just some simple ways that you can begin to, to tell your story without telling your story until they begin to ask you about your story. And um, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I knew you had, uh, and, and I know those are just even a few. I, I knew a lot of the examples that, you, you know, you would be able to share. And uh, thank you for, for sharing that. Because it's, it's such a, I mean, honestly, it's such an uh, easy way to live it out. I mean, that if you just, if you just commit to it, 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 it really is. And so, no, I'm, I'm glad we touched on that. I'm glad you wanted to, to go down that road tonight. Like I said, that to me, that uh, that is something, not the only thing that sets you apart, Andy, but it absolutely, it's one of the things that sets you apart. Well, I appreciate that, bud. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Andy, we appreciate you coming in tonight. Man, it's, it's a joy. And, you know, anytime, and I appreciate what y'all are doing. I, I appreciate the fact that y'all are creating a space for people to have real conversation and whether it's topic or interview driven, um, I think it's necessary, you know, for to be able to have these, these avenues for people to be able to hear truth from normal guys, everyday guys. You know, I, I think there's enough talking heads out there um, in the sense of professionals that, you know, I, I look at a lot of those guys and go, but this is what you get paid to do. And I love the fact that, that you are in the congregations, you are among the people you, you, have the thoughts that they have on a regular basis and you're creating an opportunity for people to hear, you know, what, what they're thinking. And, um, and so thanks for that. You know, thanks for the opportunity. Anytime. Yeah, man. Enjoyed it. I really did. Yeah. It was good. And, uh, thank you for your, your, uh, thank you for your leadership, Andy. Thank you for your witness and thank you for, for joining us on here tonight. Absolutely. Uh, Bill, all of, all of Belgium. Thanks you as well. That's right. <laughs> My in-law yeah. lived in Antwerp, Belgium for a while, and Belgium is actually an amazing place. So. Yes, it's, I've never been there, but I, I think we may not take the show on the road sometime, Aaron. That, that's right. You know, that's, right. Fans are. that's right. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, what do y'all think? Y'all leave, uh, leave a comment and uh, let us know. How you liking these interviews? How you like this interview? And uh, so th this week we're going to challenge y'all to uh, leave a tip and not a chick track. How about that? <laughs> if that's even the thing. You're meddling now, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Andy, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank y'all so much for having me. Tony, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Aaron. We'll see y'all next time.